0: Walk with me,
1: not like
0: you Welcome in to other people's shoes as you know I am your host Neil Matthews thank you so much for joining me today super excited that you've stopped by want to introduce you to our guest. But before I do that, just remember jump right over to opspodcast.com. You, of course, can leave a review there. You can even leave a voicemail there, which is also kind of fun. You can even connect with us on social media at being OPS Podcast Show on our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And without further ado, here is our guest today. Super excited about him, as I mentioned. He describes himself as an imperfect follower of the perfect God. He's a small business owner, he's an elected official, he's a TV and podcast host. He lives lives in the great metropolis of Elvin, Texas where you can find him most days at 820 Coffee House, having a cup of coffee and working on various projects. He's also been doing marketing and media for almost two decades. And in fact, he loves helping people and their businesses grow. He's been married to this wonderful woman for 20 years. Her name is Cindy. And he has a 15-year-old son named Caleb. And Caleb would be a little disappointed and maybe even downright upset if we did not mention the German shepherd, Rufus. Help me welcome him in. As I said, our guest all the way from Texas. Jake Starking. Jake, how are you today?
1: I'm doing good. How are you doing today?
0: You know, I'm fantastic. I get excited every day, every time, every time I get to push that record button. It just, it gets a little sweeter every time.
1: It's fun to press record button and then it's a little sad having to hit the edit button (laughs) whenever it's time to edit.
0: I want somebody to edit. (laughs) I need somebody to edit. There are days I'm up till like two in the morning trying to get a show out.
1: I actually have to edit a podcast after this.
0: I I feel your pain in that. (laughs) I can just feel it coming off of you. Super excited that you're sitting with us today. Before we go too far down a road together, I do need to maybe settle on this question. So help us with this if you don't mind. What size shoes do you wear? 12. Okay. And is there a style or brand that you like maybe more than another?
1: I would say I end up just because of work that I'm probably in dress shoes more often than not. Not saying that's my favorite, but I end up wearing.
0: Come on. If you're not at work, I'm I'm yeah. going to be a little bit of a shoe snob. Is that okay? I mean, there, there's a few sure. behind me. I mean, really dress shoes seem so kind of
1: blah. And No, I'm, I'm with you. Honestly, if I'm hanging out with family or going and doing something outside the house, if I'm in the house, I'm probably just in socks. But if I'm going around... Honestly, probably just in cowboy boots, as cliche as that may uh, end up sounding.
0: That is the one pair I don't own. I don't own any cowboy boots. And I've I have a couple friends that do 4 H and ranching and things like that here in Southern Oregon. And I have actually asked them, I said, Can I get away with cowboy boots? And they look at me and they look at all the North Carolina stuff and they go, There's not anything that goes with North Carolina and cowboy boots. So I don't I don't know. So maybe you can help with that. I don't I don't know.
1: I started wearing them when I was doing construction and you needed something that could kind of slip on and off pretty quickly, and then they're pretty comfortable. I don't know. Surprisingly comfortable, and then they look nice.
0: As we've been talking about with everyone this season, which I'm sad to say this season is slowly creeping towards the end, but I am excited because there's a new season on the horizon, but we can't get there yet until we kind of wrap up this season. But we have been asking people this idea of this shadow, this kind of overwhelming presence, this thing that's kind of lingered around them. Do you have such a thing? And if so, what would it be?
1: Sure. I I think for me, the shadow over my life is time. I've talked to some people about it, but the the fascinating thing to me is I am always afraid of not having enough. You know, I think as a kid, probably too young to have watched it, but I watched the Terminator and that idea of something kind of hunting you down. And if you stopped, it was still coming after you apparently really terrified me because it's something that still gets going as a, as an adult. And just that idea that like Alzheimer's and Parkinson's it runs in my family. And so that idea of like, okay, how many years of quality life can I have before kind of, nature takes its course. It's very kind of depressing way to look at it. So I try not to, but the idea that I might still be alive, but not be able to function as well as I would like to, it motivates me. So it's probably why I'm too busy.
0: Well, you mentioned that time element. Mm-hmm. Speaking of movies, I don't know if you remember this movie or not. There was a movie with Justin Timberlake and it was called In Time. And on their, I think on their forearm, they had this like time clock of when they were going to basically die or expire, I think the movie might've said. And you can buy time and time was kind of like what it is now should be a currency. Did you, did you ever catch that by any way?
1: I did. And an even a worse example is there was a Nickelback song that the music video was just people walking in above their head was the time counting down, you know, and that kind of thing. If you know, you don't know how much time you have on this earth, and what are you going to do with it? Is a uh, can be overwhelming sometimes.
0: How do you counteract that? In some respects, how do you make sure that you're using your time, your energies, your efforts? In the most effective way?
1: I think for me, the struggle is that I don't know that I'm being as effective as I want to be. I'm a small business owner, do some media projects. I'm a, more importantly, a husband and a father. I feel like there's days that I balance that well and there's days that I don't. The struggle for me is probably like most people is it, am I leaving the best impression? With my family? Am I raising my son right? But then also, am I leaving a mark in the business world and in my community? And sometimes it feels overweighted one way, you know, like I'm looking back and going, oh, I haven't really seen my son in a couple of weeks. And it's not, I see him, I take him to school, we hang out, we do stuff, but it's not that quality time that I think as a parent I should be having with my son. For me, it's a matter of being cognizant of it, try to be real intentional with my time period. And so being real intentional with my time with family and and then business and try to be present wherever I'm at. But
0: how does Jake stay present?
1: Man, I think one of the things that I tried to do, and my wife would probably tell me that I fail at it, is leaving my phone at the, not at the door, but, you know, come and set it down and not mess with it. Extenuating circumstances, you know, we've had leaks at the coffee shop, we've lost power. There's been calls from other officials, for different things that I have to take but I try to try to not live on my phone. The problem being that nowadays your phone is I think I probably use it 10% for actual phone calls and the other 90% is social media which is a marketing guy, you're constantly on it and then you have text messages and email and it's all right there in your pocket. I try to be real cognizant of turning off notifications. That's probably been the biggest one for me is <laughs> just turning off the notifications where you don't hear them, that constant beep beep every time you get something. It's not the easiest. And then at work if you're in a meeting for for some reason that seems easier to me like if i know i'm going to be in a meeting for an hour shutting that off to not get involved in, in things and just realizing that there's probably nothing that's going to happen in an hour that is going to be that kind of life-threatening That can't wait till i'm out of the meeting
0: so jake if you can take us take us back in time a little bit when did you first kind of become aware of the fact that life is so important and time itself is so precious.
1: So when I was a sixth grader, fifth grader maybe, like within the three years I lost my aunt and both my grandfathers. One had come down with Alzheimer's so I hadn't seen him for months. Kind of that back-to-back-to-back triple hit kind of knocked me for a loop and kind of showed me that time is precious. I'm an only child. And so for me, my friendships were my family and that ability to turn to them and they turned to me because all my friends weren't only children. A lot of them, like they're an older sister that was like seven years old. Okay, well that (laughs) it's almost its own. You're almost an only child at that point. You know, as a kid, I can still vividly recall it in my head, but as a kid going to daycare, I would have these nightmares outside of the daycare that I went to school. It was just this bottomless abyss it was just this huge i guess nowadays you would call it a sinkhole and it was just terrifying that i was afraid of falling into it and i don't know what that kind of means but i know that that is like my earliest dream that i can remember anything like it so that and just that idea of time is if i stop the world's still going the terminator's still coming after me (laughs) that idea probably why i don't get enough sleep i don't rest enough and Try to manage my time, but man.
0: So help me with this. Are we talking original Terminator, right? We're talking that one.
1: Oh, yeah. When he was scary.
0: 1984, circa 1984. By the way, rated R movies. Yes,
1: and I was probably eight or nine when I saw it, so. You're
0: watching rated R movies at eight or nine? I mean, not judgment on your parents by any, well, a little bit. Okay, a little bit. As a parent, I'm like, I don't know if I, but you talk about time management. You talk about having these relatives of yours pass. And I don't know about you. I am horrible at time management absolutely horrible the worst But help me with time management. I were to come to you talking about a coffee shop. I love that analogy. I love even going to coffee shops because I think there's the ambiance of of just coffee and I love coffee in general. But if we were to sit down at a coffee shop and I said, okay, Jake, give me your five-step plan of how I can be a better time manager. What would you tell me?
1: Sure. So I'm going to reference my friend, Darren Shelton. So we all use a program called Tick Tick, and basically it's a to-do list manager. I put all that in and then every day I have scheduled about an hour, hour and a half just to do that. And and, then so satisfying because you, I can very quickly add something to that list. And then when I sit down, I can knock it out. And a lot of times it's just shoot an email to so-and-so, but I try to batch things instead of just randomly doing things throughout the day. It's all right, I'm going to sit down. I want to send emails. I'm going to sit down and do website updates. I'm going to sit down and do the books, whatever it may be. To me, that's the number one thing. If you can batch your time that has helped me increasingly over the years to, to be successful in different aspects of life. And then two, you know, it sounds weird to quote unquote batch family time. That's just as important and being able to schedule time with them and and know that that's when you're dedicated to just that. You hear people complain about, you know, don't put your family on the calendar. It seems kind of weird to have to schedule them in, but if it's in my calendar, I'm doing it. And so to me, trying to have that, and it's a little bit easier after five o'clock. I don't necessarily put it in my calendar for that because it's when I should be with them. Batching time is my number one kind of hint.
0: So going back, let's talk about grandpa for a minute. What did he teach you about life that you maybe still carry to this day with you? Sure, I think
1: he was one of the first one, well, both of them, but the the one in particular that had Alzheimer's taught me about timelines. I mean, it, it sounds really ridiculous, but that idea that having an eternal timeline versus a daily timeline or even my lifetime, the idea that it probably drives a lot of people crazy now, but like when we would play as kids and he would help, it really didn't matter who won. It was more that you enjoyed the time together. And obviously someone would win, someone would lose, but it wasn't like this cutthroat. I'm going to destroy you kind of one-upmanship with him. I also remember sitting on the front porch because they had a huge front yard and just some of my favorite memories as a kid is sitting in that front yard and watching cars drive by. They were retired by the time I was born. Being okay, sitting there and not doing anything. I'm not really good at it, mind you. I'm not good at just sitting there. Having that peace and just, he he kind of worked. He went, he was in World War II. He was shot in like a quarter inch from his heart. He ended up surviving, getting home. He did exactly what we're told as Americans to do. He went and fought for his country. He came back. He worked the job for 25, 30 years, whatever it was. Retired from, it wasn't the same company because it got bought a couple of times. Generally one company. And he just was okay with taking a breath and not being so on the go all the time
0: that obviously made an impression on you
1: right absolutely
0: so if we're gonna fast forward you're now a grandpa grandkids coming over that's probably way in the future i know
1: hopefully with my 15 year old son okay
0: good let's (laughs) knock on wood on that one right but in that what do you hope to pass on as a legacy for those grandkids if you have an opportunity to to be with them and sit with them
1: hopefully to be able to pass on that idea of giving back and, and servanthood. I, I say all this as someone who fails at it on a regular basis but I'd rather, I tell people all the time I'd rather fail trying to do something than succeed at doing nothing. If I could just instilling them this idea that honestly, we're all part of God's plan and struggle to kind of wrap your head around that. I know I struggled with that as a kid. And I was just talking about this the other day with a friend. I I was taught growing up, God won't give you more than you can handle. God will get you out of the situation. And so I would pray and then I wouldn't get out of the situation. And I was like, where were you, God? And realizing now that it's, he's walking alongside you and he's, he's not going to get you out of a situation. He's going to get you through a situation. And if I can get that through to my kids and grandkids and just have them like, okay, with tomorrow's coming, there's time, especially someone who struggles with (laughs) feeling like there's not enough time, mission accomplished.
0: So when you think of time and you think of if there's a period of time that you could go back and and really make drastic changes in your life, what time period would you have put yourself in?
1: The funny thing is I probably my twenties, because I look at the amount of stuff that I accomplished because it's that period where somehow you have tons of energy. You don't necessarily have kids yet. You're out of school, you're making money for the first time and you have these kind of opportunities. I don't know that I regret anything that I've done, but yet also I kind of wish I would have not done some things. And that idea of just, again, just this amount of energy that I had back then, I don't know that I have much to represent that now at 42. And so what could I have done to have made more of an impact then that would make an impact today? Laying the groundwork in my twenties for what I'm doing now versus starting at 38, starting at my own business. (laughs) It would have been nice to be that 15 years ahead.
0: But time is the one thing that is undefeated as far as I've been told. Oh, yeah. Even though Tom Brady, I, I love him. Some hate him. I think he's phenomenal. Somehow he is beating the odds as far as playing into his, I think he's like going to be 45, maybe 46. Cause I guess he's coming back this yeah. season supposedly. I don't know. But I really wonder about this for me and, and maybe even for you. Cause we're the same age. So that's awesome. But I wonder about this when we're done and everything's gone and, and all the music has faded and we're in the ground. I mean, I really want to feel like I've made an impact. I really want to feel like I've made a difference. That does drive me. Does that drive you in any way? And if so, maybe speak to that.
1: Absolutely drives me, probably drives me harder than anything else, leaving an impact and in a positive way, right? Let me quantify all this by saying, hopefully everything, if I accomplish anything in this life, it's in a positive aspect versus just, oh yeah, I knew him. I I hope that family has a life of service. My grandfather, besides, okay, so one served in World War II, one was a police officer for years. My dad was a police officer and now he's a city councilman. My mom was a judge in town for years and now she's currently filling in as district clerk for the county. Like that idea of service, that idea of helping, that idea of giving back. I do believe that in America, a lot of times we're, we're kind of born on second base we're third base even sometimes. And so what are we going to do with that? How can we help bring people along? And so that's like with the TV show where we went to Mongolia and we're trying to do some more stuff. Like how can we open people's eyes? And hopefully at the end of the day, not to get too philosophical, but hopefully at the end of the day, it's people don't necessarily remember me as, oh, I did this, but hopefully that I encourage them to do something, help them step out of their comfort zone to do something different.
0: See, I think all of that is awesome it's that legacy it's that i don't want to be remembered for my name in lights in the big marquee i don't want to be remembered in the you know in the newspaper you know this amazing thing or being on 2020 i mean that'd be pretty fun or this amazing ted talk i gave you know i gave a ton of money to microsoft to build a well in uganda whatever but at the end of the day was i encouraging people i have that drive too now i know what drives me but what drives you in that respect
1: That's, I kind of wish I knew. I'm sure a therapist could find it much quicker than I could. I do think it's just growing up, failing was an issue. Like I didn't want to ever fail and blessed or cursed enough to to not have to study through school. And so it's things like that, that if I need to learn something, it's kind of a struggle because I honestly don't know how to study. That idea of just keep going, keep trying, keep getting up. You know, my dad used to always tell me it's, and I don't think he was necessarily quoting Rocky, but he was talking, you know, it's not how many times you get knocked down. It's how many times you get back up and just what do we do when we get back up? Do we get up and pout? Do we get up and cry about it? Or do we get up and kind of keep pursuing? And I just... This fear in me that that I'm not doing enough. The scene in Schindler's List at the end, where he's like, "I, you know, take this watch. I, you know, this would be so many people." And and just that idea that at the end of the day, I'm I'm kind of afraid of laying on my deathbed, going, "I did not do everything I could have." I also understand that there's never going to be enough, and so it's a really weird thing to have this tension in me that I will never do enough in this world. I think a lot of people have that second aspect and think, "So I don't need to do anything." And I don't know that I agree with that. To me, you, you give it a shot. You you do what you can while you can. I hate that it's fear-based, really. You know, I hate that it's out of that idea that I'm not going to be able to one day because no one's promised tomorrow. But really, I spend a lot of time worrying that my tomorrow will not be me at 100%. Would you say it's a lack of faith? My faith is what keeps me going it's what keeps me kind of thinking eternally. Again, but uh, you know, my favorite verse in the Bible is the, the weirdest one <laughs> to me, which is, "I believe, help me in my unbelief." It's that idea that yes, I believe in you, God. I believe in Jesus. I believe in everything that you've done. I believe in the Bible, but God, help me because I don't. I don't know how to describe it. I love that verse so much because it speaks to me on so many levels. Of I believe in Jesus. I believe He's my Savior. God, help me where I don't. I don't have faith in, in what you're doing in my life. And I can even track it back to, there was a moment where years ago I went to, I went to a follow-up job interview so I could meet the team. This is back during the recession in 2008, 2009. I had the job, supposedly I was just coming to meet everybody showed up met the boss. And he was like, let me, let me talk to you for a second. And he pulled me into the room and I was like, Oh, this is neat. I get to meet the owner of the company. He was like, Hey, someone lied to you. Cause you don't have a job. We're not hiring. This has been a big mistake. It's payroll. And I need you to leave. And I was like, Oh my God, you know, this is after being out of work for six months to a year. And me finally thinking, Oh, I can go home and tell my wife I have a job and things are going to be smoothed out. And I just remember going home and crying out to God and kind of being angry and kind of going, okay, clearly me telling you what you need to do for me is not working. (laughs) How about if I try to do what you want me to do and I can track the, the peace in my heart from that moment. You know, it didn't happen immediately, but within three months I had another job, which led me on a totally different career path, which has opened up doors, which is, provided opportunities that I never would have imagined. And to me, I kind of call that my real come to Jesus moment. You give yourself to, to Jesus at summer camp in high school, and that's one thing. It's not really, I don't know, activated faith, for lack of a better term. And, and after that moment, when I kind of cried out to him, just gave over everything. I just, obviously I still live with fear. I still live with concern of not being able to do enough, but I think it's almost because of that moment where I'm like, okay, God, you've, you've blessed me so much with everything. I want to be sure and leave it all, all out on the field for you. So it's a it is still fear-based, but it's also still very much like honoring God and everything that he's done. And it's not like things are great or, you know, immaculate. I have a peace about it. Okay. With the situation, which is something I never would have thought growing up.
0: That has got to be the most awkward moment I've ever had someone to describe. Rolling into the job, thinking you got it, meeting the team, shaking hands, kissing babies, as I say. And somebody's like, Jake, you look hideous today. Come here a second, State Farm reference, sorry. Like, listen, I'm going to need you to go because you don't work here. You're not even on the payroll and I got to pay the people that actually do work here.
1: Seriously, walking out and everyone that I just met saying, all right, man, see you Monday. See you, you know, and I'm just staring at him going, y'all have no idea what just happened. And I was in Katy, which is like 40 minutes away. And I was just crushed.
0: How does that conversation go when you get back to the ranch to your wife? I know there's probably not a ranch, everything in Texas, I feel like has a ranch, but when you get back home, how does that conversation go with
1: your wife? Well, it was the weirdest thing because, you know, the, the meeting was at like one. So I was back at two or so, or, you know, two, two 30 and Cindy, my wife was at work and I, I just called her and said, Hey, I need to talk to you. And I don't even remember if she called me or she just kind of came home because I was all prepared to tell her about, Oh man, this place is going to be great. It's really fun. It's doing something that I love to do. And then just having to tell her like, look, no, <laughs> I don't even remember what I said. I just remember she comforted me and she said it was going to be okay. And at that time, not that, not that we didn't go to church, not that we didn't have our faith, but like now I feel like if that were to happen, she'd be praying for me. She is. And she does. But at that moment, there wasn't like, let's stop and pray. It was just like, okay, we'll figure it out. We'll, we'll see what can happen. Yeah. Like you said, it's the strangest thing. And, and it is such an indelible memory. That's hopefully why I try to treat people better. And and I don't even think it's the people that were trying to hire me's fault. It's just, I, I still did it don't know I know the people I know the company but I'm never going to ask because I don't I don't know that I want to know the answer to that and I'd be curious if he remembers right I would be curious if he remembered that
0: he's got to remember I mean you don't you don't forget something like that I don't know I mean as a business owner i I, I think you would remember I mean you might be like the joke of the office he remember that time Jake tried to get a job here and he was wearing khakis. All right, sorry. State farm reference again. I can't help it.
1: The best part of the whole state farm thing is for like three months I had people that would come up to me, like literally standing in front of me and go, Hey Jake, what are you wearing? I go, look around, like look down, like I'm jeans and a shirt. What? And then they would go, sounds hideous. I go, what are you talking about? For three months, I had no idea. We don't have cable. We You didn't know? No, we have we have Hulu. Then all of a sudden I'm watching the commercial. And I hear, Hey Jake, what are you wearing? I go, that's it. That's it. That's why people are being so weird to me lately.
0: The greatest marketing thing ever. Totally oblivious. Hilarious. But I want to talk about that moment, like that drive home that had got to just have an awful taste in your mouth. Yes. That taste of failure. This time's going to work. I got to admit that I was wrong. I got to admit that I misread whatever it may be. What did that truly taste like?
1: vomit other strange thing about that was in sitting in that room hearing him as soon as he kind of although it was a short conversation but in that short period of time all of a sudden it was like i'm going to be sick i will be the lappiest talk of this company because he just fired me from a job i never had and i'm about to throw up all over him walking briskly out the door waving goodbye to people who were telling me they'll see you on monday finding a restroom just kind of hyperventilating there for a little bit driving back and just the, i'm not gonna lie having that feeling of like if i just ran over that barrier and died would my wife would be better off? Would my son be better off? I can't even get a job. I can't provide for my family. I think that's where the heart to heart with God came in. That drive home was just like, my my hands were numb, palms sweaty, driving for 40 minutes, kind of hoping that she was going to call me like the most, I don't know, discombobulated for (laughs) I've ever felt in my entire life. It was just, it was horrible. I don't wish that on anybody. But
0: I feel like that adds into the element of what we're talking about today. This idea of having time, this idea of feeling a failure, this idea of, I do think shadows can take on multiple shapes. Yeah. And I think it can be that overwhelming presence of, if you allowed yourself to stay in that failure, if you allowed yourself to say, I thought this was the time, if you allowed yourself to say, how am I going to say face with my wife, with my family, with whoever, all of that stuff comes into play, I think tremendously.
1: So it was in a field that I knew it was marketing. It was all stuff that I knew. And I had just branched out to prior to this whole situation. Like I had the worst time in the world and that I tried to start my own company right before the recession. That is kind of what led to me trying to find full-time work. And then again, after having that kind of confession to God of being done, telling him what to do, I ended up getting a job where they were hiring so badly. Literally the question was, do you know how to use a computer? And I said, yes. And I said, great, you're hired. I think it was God showing me that there was still value. In me because it was learned in a skill set that I had no idea what to do it was construction, engineering, and logic and stuff that I had never done before. But I knew how to use a computer pretty well from video editing and everything else. And it taught me so much about work ethic and just not stopping. Like if there was work to be done and needed to get done, there was no punting till the next day. And so again, really just that horrible moment followed was seeing a grace that I'd never experienced before and being able to look back month after the situation, three months after the situation going, could that have been the best thing that ever happened to me? And I look back on it and think, yes, because until that moment, it was very much me telling God, here's what I want you to do for me. Here's what I quote unquote need. That is not the way to live life. In my opinion, when I kind of gave up on that, let go of the reins, so to speak, it was very much more calming.
0: (laughs) So when I hear you say all this, I think... I'm not a doctor, never been to medical school. I've never even been by a medical college as far as I know. So I'm not going to give you a diagnosis, but I almost feel like as a as a friend if we're if we can use that that friend word in this moment. Yeah. I think it all kind of comes back down to control and a lack of control. I want to be in control of my schedule. I want to be in control of how long I live. I want to be in control of my success and my failures. I want to be in control of it all. And one of my favorite bands for King & Country, they have this song, ironically enough, called Control, and the first opening lines of the lyrics say this. It says, you ask me to let go, but I thought I knew better. Afraid of surrender of what I don't know. I've always had a plan, but now I'm so weary. I can't see clearly. Forgot who I am. What do you think when you hear
1: that? To me, it all strikes a chord, except for that last line. To me, the last line was, I'm not who I should be, that I'm not what God wants me to be. A work in progress, and I'm screw up all the time. At least, again, at least I'm failing in my reaching out to to be more Christ-like.
0: I am never one to throw rocks at a glass house, especially one that I'm living in, right? I think I messed that up, but you get what I'm saying. I struggle with that too, man. I think on some level, we all struggle with control. We want to control again that schedule, that calendar. We want to control our legacy. We want to control our failures. We want to control it all. And I think that's why I hate that song growing up as a kid. I grew up in the church. Sounds like maybe you did too. I surrender all. It's like, no, I surrender like 5%, God. I give you five. I got you five. I might give you 10 15 on a good day, but all oh. that all word. I, I really hate
1: makes me think of all the areas that I'm not giving him all. And you're right. That's one of those songs that you sing. And then you go on about your day. You know, I remember singing it in church and I probably give, was giving God my one seventh of my all right. my Sunday and then Monday through Saturday, there was not a lot of God involved. Thankfully something has changed. One thing becoming a parent will do that to you. In my opinion, trying to, to, to raise a son in today's world, get up and, do the U version Bible studies in the morning. It's not a whole lot, but it's more than I had growing up.
0: Well, Jake, I want to give you an opportunity right now. If you somehow, some way we, you know, we put you in the old school Astrodome, you know, I feel like we need to talk about the Astrodome just, just maybe for a moment. You remember the Astrodome?
1: Uh, not only do I remember it, my grandfather, the one that I was talking about, he worked for a company that provided the AstroTurf. So him and my mom, my, my grandparents, And my mom got to have a picnic on the turf before the Astrodome ever opened.
0: That's pretty awesome. Do you know the seating capacity of the Astrodome by chance? Oh, man. Just give me a guess without Googling. You can't Google. That's the only rule.
1: A lot smaller, maybe 8,000. Wow, you're way off.
0: According to Google, they listed at 67,925 folks.
1: That's way off. Yeah,
0: I was like, wow, that's little, crazy. A little way off, but that's a lot. Jeez. By the way, in comparison to Minute Maid Park, is that near you guys? Oh, Minute Maid Park, uh, yes. Minute Maid Park it used to be Enron back in the day, but we don't oh, say yeah. the word Enron in Houston, from what I understand. No. But that only seats 41,168.
1: It's great because where the Astrodome is, they refuse to tear it down and it just sits there. No one does anything with it, but you can <laughs> drive past it and literally sharing a parking lot. Is is Reliant Stadium.
0: Reliant where the Texans play.
1: Reliant is, yeah, Reliant is huge. And that's what made me think, because I think what it is, just the way they built the the seating is different, but that's what made me get wrong on the numbers, because the Astrodome looks so small next to I'm it. I'm going
0: to be mad at my brother-in-law in this moment, because he just went to Houston, and he went to Reliant Stadium. And took pictures there while he was in Houston. And he probably didn't even know that the Astrodome was right next door. And I'm mad about that now. Thank you. All right. So back to you. If we put you at home plate, 67,925 people. Take this moment. What would you say to those folks? They're from all walks of life. You have this moment. The spotlight is yours. What do you say? I
1: guess I would say as a imperfect person, God loves you. As kind of cheesy as that can sound, man, too often he's shown up in, in my life in ways, again, not getting me out of trouble, not, you know, not giving me answers on a test, but just comforting me when I needed it and not knowing that I needed it. Just talk to someone. You know, I think a lot of us deal with, with issues and being able to reach out to them and, and have that conversation. If it's all walks of life, man, there's, there's hope there's, there can be peace.
0: Yeah. And don't allow the shadow to control you any longer.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Like it'll always be there. You, a human cannot escape their shadow. (laughs) You can be scared by it or you can, I don't want to say embrace it necessarily, but just accept that it's there. And that's something that will never change.
0: Yeah, for sure. Thank you. Jake, for that. I love that so much. And uh, so, Jake, I just want to say thanks for coming on. I'm going to play a game because you like games, right? Somebody told me in our research department you love games. Is that accurate? Did they give us bad information? So we play this game at the end of our show. It is called Senseless. Kind of five random questions. Well, six random questions. Kind of about our senses. And so apparently the Houston Astros Cup was on back order. So I had to get this handy dandy North Carolina Cup. So well played is sadly, sadly broken in, in pieces as my heart has been this season at, at times. Yeah. Very heartbreaking season at times. But hey, we made the tournament, so I should celebrate that. And we beat Duke at home in Coach K's last game. There's reasons to celebrate. But go. Anyway, back to you. So here we go. So I'm going to roll on your behalf. You're okay with me rolling for, for you? Yes. Would have been really weird if you were like, yeah, I have a die right yeah, here. Hey, fine. On, let me do it. All right. So you got this magical number. I just had it. There we go. Number four there, you can see it in the camera because we were on the Zoom. And it's this question here. What sound or noise do you love to hear?
1: Laughter, you know, especially my wife and sons laugh. There's nothing better. I think in a previous life, I wanted to be a comedian. Just not. But yeah, laughter. Laughter.
0: And it doesn't matter if it's from wife or from son. It doesn't matter, huh?
1: No, especially, well, it really doesn't matter if I'm the one making them laugh. If it's someone else making them laugh, then, you know, got to figure out what's going on. But no, I'd, I love being goofy. I'm I probably sound more serious on this podcast than I am in real life, actually. So if I can if I can do something, to make them laugh like I've, my day was a success.
0: All right. Give me one thing that always gets them to laugh.
1: I used to be pretty coordinated and now I'm old. All my sports injuries are coming back to me. So no. So my son has my sarcastic sense of humor. And so we will laugh at things and my wife will not and so that's kind of funny sometimes to see when we watch something and he will look at each other and kind of give each other the nod like yeah that was funny (laughs) but yeah no just you know if I can tell him a story throughout my day or something funny that's happened you know I try to have something like that every day that makes me laugh and then I can turn around and tell them so
0: laughter is the best medicine they I say well Jake again thanks so much for coming on really appreciate it man
1: absolutely glad to do it
0: well guys and gals kids and campers alike I don't know about anybody else this This is the moment, right? This is your moment. Our season is winding down, as I mentioned. What is in control of your life? What is stealing your time? What is robbing you of your joy? I don't know about anybody else. Those are some hard questions really to ponder. They really are. So I'm going to narrow it down to one. What is in control of you? What are you giving control of? And I think, listen, I'm guilty of it too. My phone is the worst. I've gotten better. According to according to Apple, they've told me every week my screen time is lessening by the week. But what about the others around me? Is their time lessening by the week because I'm on it so much? Their time lessening because I'm putting something else in front of them? Mm, tough question to ask. So this week, I want to challenge you as I do likewise. Let's see if we can lessen our time with our phones and our devices and our other things. Let's increase that time with those around us and really pour into them and be intentional about it. If you do that, let me know. I'd love to hear. OPSpodcast.com You, of course, can let me know there. You can leave a voicemail there. You can leave a comment there. You can even let us know on social media at OPS podcast show on our Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Love to hear from you there as well. And just remember this before we go, remember this, do not ever forget. Remember when you walk in other people's shoes, you really do get a different perspective on life. Thank you so much for listening and stay tuned till next week when we walk in other people's shoes.